living and learning. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Welcome to the Weather of the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Doug Krish. Good day to you. It is great to be with you. I appreciate you tuning in. Last week, we were talking a lot about time, and here we are a week later, and I feel at the same time like I just spoke with you, like I just created a podcast. I just, and I also feel like so much has happened. I mean, last Wednesday, eight days ago, the day of the last podcast, that was before the significant burning, the mass protest and the rioting. That, that was all started on Wednesday night. Wow. Wow. What a week it's been. So much to digest. I've been reflecting a lot, a lot on these themes of trust, distrust, and authority. And I hope to address those in this episode, which I'm calling History as Kindling, Present Moment as the Spark. Maybe I'll get rid of that. The history as kindling, present moment as spark. Okay, let's start. Let's start. So I want to connect a little bit to the last episode because I tried to make some connections and I, I didn't think I made them strong enough, so I want to revisit them a bit. We talked about time last week. Time as a way of observing life, one measure of, of our days and our weeks, but also as something that is somewhat relative and affected by what is going on. I was encouraging you to reflect with me on the perception of time. Uh, I look at my wall here, I got my days of Corona times and I'm on day 82. So what is that? We're almost finishing the tw 12th week of you know relative isolation, no bartending. For me, living relatively by myself, a lot of quiet time and uh, I'm surviving it, you know, we're surviving it, but 82 days, in some ways, time is time is weird. 82 is an abstract thing. What does that really mean? 12 weeks, all right. But what about when we think of benchmarks? Like when you think about rest in peace Kobe, right? We lost Kobe. That was, that was the end of February. Like that feels like, I don't know, three or four years ago. So again, thinking about time, I try to bridge the connection of time, like reflecting on time and our perception of time, I try to bridge a connection with notions of trust and distrust and authority. But I don't think I made it that clearly, so let me, again, reapproach that. And the bridge quote last week was by Cormac McCarthy. The quote was, Scars have the strange power to remind us that our past is real. Scars have the strange power to remind us that our past is real. And I'm going to add another quote that goes with this to help me further my connection. And this is from the movie Magnolia. And this is kind of a repeating theme of that, that movie, movie from 1999. Worth a look, a little bit heavy, a little bit maybe dark, but um, well done. Stimulating, fascinating character work. So the main theme of this movie, or the, the quote that gets repeated throughout... We might be done with the past, but the past isn't through with us. We might be done with the past, but the past isn't through with us. So, 
scars. We all got scars. Scars are like battle wounds. Life is not easy. Life is a challenge. We should have scars and we should embrace these scars and they are they are yeah, they are think of them as battle scars and th you know, life is tough. Even you look at it on the level of the individual or the family or the society. We're going to have scars on a society level from these recent weeks activities. Certainly this physical scars, burning down of building and destruction of property. But these scars will come to represent something differently as time goes on. Where do we grow? Where do we learn from? Where do we change as a society? Because a society will behave relatively similarly to an individual in that there are periods of struggle and chaos but they will subside over time. And these times of struggle and chaos are often the times we're gonna learn the most. So I have a very positive image of scars and I have a very positive image of the past. And I don't know if that's a, I don't know how people feel about that, but I just think the more we know, the more we understand, the more we see both society and ourselves as part of a growing process and organic, like I think of us living right now as, we're part of this chapter in human history and this chapter in world history. And hey, it's cool. We're talking, we're hanging out, and we're here at the same time in 2020. Yay, it's a shit show. <laughs> no, it's not. It is raw human life. Man, you wanted to see raw human life? You wanted to live through a, a compelling movie? You got it. I mean, we got it. So let's try to remember that part of it as we do our best to keep some level of calm, also some level of excitement. You know, there, there's some things to be excited about. You, there should be, you should be emotionally stimulated by, by mass protests and by the images of police brutality. These should affect us on an emotional level. But we also have to, we also have to maintain, right? So we gotta, we gotta be mindful of engaging, but also keeping our balance. Because if we, if we lose our balance too much, then what good are we for the causes we believe in? Being supportive, friends and family members is still the primary aspect of our lives. Obviously, it's good to have solidarity across the towns and cities and countries and world, especially as we, the world is a smaller place and we're gonna ha we have to work together. But never forget the local. History as kindling, present moment as spark. I'm not going to cover the history right now because I think we have a sense of that. But I want to reflect for a moment on how visceral, how emotionally raw, how animal the spark was in this case. The image of this a white police officer on a black man's head and to be honest it was so visceral that i i think even without the racial if this video was a white person on a white person or a black person on a black person there was something abusive about the situation if someone's on the ground and they're already in a submitted position and you kneel on their their breathing there's something primal i mean you show this video to a dog or a cat or a turtle or a fish and they'll understand that that is not cool the point is 
is just like the Rodney King images. They were so raw and abusive. So raw and abusive and hand-to-hand comeback. It's almost like seeing someone get shot is abstract in a way compared to seeing someone get knelt on, suffocated. Eric Garner, I can't breathe. These are so powerful because they're so relatable. Relatable even beyond human species. Like I, I jested about earlier, I'm quite sincere. There is something, there's an element of justice and understanding about the relationship between something very powerful and something weakened that life can relate to, life beyond humans can relate to. It would be interesting to show these videos to our closest relatives, some primates. I think they would react to it. They would understand what's going on. I've come to watch some UFC, uh, thanks to my brother. Dan, who's a big fan, and originally I didn't want to watch it because it was just too violent. The clips I saw were like the highlights, and it was bloody, and it was just it was too raw, too 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 much. But then when I finally watched it, most of it is is pretty evenly matched. And to watch two forces battle each other evenly, it's fine. It's it's interesting. It seems fair. It seems it seems okay with the uni- laws of the universe, but once someone starts to dominate and you feel like the strength of one person is five times, ten times the strength of the other person, and they usually call the match then, even if the, the person getting dominated still wants to hang in there. And I'm happy they call those fights because you can feel it. You can feel it on an, on a, on an animal level within us, on a deep emotional instinctual level when it changes, when it goes from a relatively even match to this dominant thing. And to see domination, to see that level of abuse, it's abuse of power that really bothers us as humans. To see a battle, to see fights, that's okay to a lot of us at, in their right time and place. But to see an abuse of power, when you have someone dominated and you take it to the next level. That's what we saw Rodney King. You had five police officers with bats around one guy on the ground beating him. So what's that strength ratio? One man on the ground versus five guys with batons and just beating him? In this situation, you have a man on the ground who's already handcuffed, who's got multiple people kneeling on top of him, who already says, I'm having trouble breathing, and you keep it going? That level of abuse is disgusting no matter the cultural context. So that spark was just, that, that was a tremendous spark no matter what the situation. And then you throw in the fact that it was a white officer on a, on a black man, which ties into the history. The history of this type of behavior, whether from police or more systemic racism. That plus everyone bottled up because of Corona. It is and was a perfect storm in this moment. try to do a final reflection here. We're going to go with a few of the hot topics of the day, and that is authority, trust, and distrust. So I want us to reflect on our relationship with authority, and this directly relates our relationship to trust and distrust. Perhaps, maybe you have trust and distrust 
thoughts that, that don't have anything to do with authority. They have to do with a friendship or whatnot. But I would argue that there's still a level of authority there, social authority, uh, cultural norms that were broken. You feel slighted because people didn't behave to a cultural norm, which is a form of authority. But let's just think about general authority figures, parents, teachers, those are the big ones, right? Parents, teachers, maybe your uncles and aunts, grandparents. So think about your relationship to authority from when you're five and six and seven, the single digit ages, when you're first starting to understand things. There's probably a situation where you begin to question authority or some part of uh, hypocrisy or inconsistency made you think, huh, I don't know, maybe that didn't happen yet. Maybe that happens more in our teens. Certainly in our teens, this is a very interesting time because you also have a biological maturity, puberty happens. And this seems to create changes in the brain and create a, a, almost a natural rebelliousness. The next generation is coming of age and it is, it is quite natural to have some, to be more confrontational with authority at this time. But still, a lot of that is just normal. A lot of times the things that affect us are very strong. A lot of times the things that affect us are very chronic. I think our relationship to our parents, that's like the primary authority in our lives, which sets the tone for all other relationships to authority. So understanding what aspects of your parents' authority you trusted and what aspects of your parents' authority you, you started to distrust. And what does that reveal about who you've become and is this emotionally charged? And if it is, does it relate to your relationship of trust and distrust now to broader things, whether it's romantically, whether it's trusting or distrusting doctors or medical professions on corona issues and what they have to say, if it's, whether it's trusting or distrusting media, whether it's trusting or distrusting the government and the government's actions, whether it's trusting or distrusting police. Society is a web of social relationships and social relationships, their health comes down to trust and distrust on a fundamental level. So when we talk about trust and distrust, we're getting to the core of human relationships, the core of society. And I think that's where a lot of the healing is going to come from, from this injury, from this scar. We're living through a societal scar. We'll look down and see this scar on our collective hands. But that scar will not only remind us of the challenge, of the struggle, of the fires, of the violence. It will also remind us of all the peaceful protests, of all the solidarity, of all the discussions, and hopefully of all the growth. As I bid you adieu, 
I'd like to remind you to rely on your foundations. Stay hydrated, check your sleep, get that blood flowing, try to eat healthy. If you can, engage in music, it's very uplifting. Take the long view, be patient with yourself. We're in this together. Our own battles perhaps, but often shared battles, shared learning, living and learning. Peace, bye-bye. Thank you.